you'll join with me in today's scripture reading, we're reading from Ephesians 5, verse 20 to 21. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's really nice to see every week since we've opened just more attending. I uh, hope that uh, continues. In my 21 years of ministry here, this will be the longest time away I would have been from this church. So weird for me. It's, it's strange. You know, I, I've uh, been accustomed to preparing messages and pastoral care week after week for for over two decades, so this is uh, strange. But uh, I thank the board for this very much. I'm gonna be um, investing some time with my dad who has uh, some serious heart issues, um, physically, not like spiritually or emotionally. Um, but he has some medical issues and uh, he's, he's 85, and so gonna invest um, some time there as life is fragile, just had a very close friend, family friend of ours whose father passed away just last night, and so just one of those reminders of the fragility of life. And I'm actually very glad that these are kind of my parting uh, two verses before I go on sabbatical talking specifically about thankfulness and also about submission, which isn't all that popular of a subject to talk about. But let's reread these two verses and then we'll jump into our sermon for today. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now the context is very important as always, and the context for Paul writing these two verses, you need to look up a few verses, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and for that to manifest itself in the way that we praise and that we worship God that these praises, that these worship songs and hymns will be of thanksgiving and evidence of God's presence in their lives. And so what we have here is a, a call to thankfulness. And we have so many psalms that give thanks to God, and here's just a couple of them. There's, there's numerous, but I'm, I'm just going to point out two. Psalm 86, verse 12, it reads, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Psalm 111, verse 1, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Now there are so many more psalms giving thanks to God, quite different from what the Ephesians did prior to knowing Jesus Christ. When they used to gather, they used to gather in front of the goddess Diana. They used to gather in front of the god Bacchus, very, very different, because here we have Diana, who is the goddess of fertility. Here we have Bacchus, the god of wine. So you can just imagine the sexual immorality, the drunkenness that was happening. But before Jesus Christ, it led them to gratitude. It led them to thankfulness. And so you can see these attitudes that are very different from one another, these attitudes and outcomes that are very different from one another. 
And this is one of the signatures of those who are in Christ, that we are marked with thankfulness. And we can't help it but to truly recognize God for who he is, and that's why we are thankful, because of who he is and what he has done. And the thing that tends to attach to thankfulness very often is humility. Because pride prevents gratitude since there's this element of entitlement in pride. And when someone is kind or, or gives a gift, that entitlement, that pride within someone has this feeling of, you know, I deserve that. Or that you deserve more than you got. And that's that pride speaking within a person. But humility is different. Humility opens up these opportunities of thankfulness while pride points to selfishness where it's all about me and that we think that we're self-sufficient. It's not how those in Christ are to be. We are not self-sufficient. We know that we need God. And it's not about me. It's not about my will. It's about God. It's about God's will. Now, hopefully in these verses we'll be able to look at when we are to give thanks, what we're to give thanks for, who we're to give thanks to, and how we're to give thanks. And it's all within this verse in verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when are we to give thanks? Always. Always. Not just when things are going well in our life. Always. Not when we are healthy or that our loved ones are healthy. Not just when we feel good emotionally, spiritually, socially, always, even when the things around us aren't that good. Always is when things are really great, also when things are really terrible. Now, how is this even possible? How can we possibly give thanks always? Take a look at Romans chapter 15, verse 4. It reads this. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. There's a long history to God, and that history points to a faithful God who has always loved his children. A God who has left this clear trail of instruction for us, that through endurance and encouragement of his word that we might have hope. God has proven himself over and over again throughout history, through his people. And that is to serve as a reassurance for us. That there are so many people in the Bible whose lives have shown God to be worthy and to be given thanks always. And you can just look throughout the Bible, think of your favorite characters, Joseph, Ruth, Esther, Daniel, Jonah, whoever. The Bible is full of these people. And because we have evidence of how God was in the past, it's reassuring for us in the present and gives us hope in the future. Let's just take a look at Daniel, at when he gave thanks. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it reads this. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now for those of you who aren't familiar with this story, 
There are some really terrible circumstances for Daniel here that he's living through. If you go back to his past, Daniel, as a young man, a boy, was exiled from his homeland and brought to Babylon, the Babylonian captivity. He's taken from everything that is familiar with him. They are trying to wipe out his culture, his language, everything that is familiar to him. They are trying to wipe out in Babylon, and he's removed from that past and brought into this uncertain future. And while he's in Babylon, he's blessed. He's promoted until he reaches this place of prominence where some other Babylonians are very envious of his power, and they want to see this guy fail. So he's set up. They set him up, and then he is sentenced to death by lions. And so this is the context of chapter 6, verse 10. And then what do we find at the end of that verse? He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he'd done previously. The thanks Daniel gave in chapter 6, verse 10, was during a very frightening time in his life. If you can imagine your death coming by, death is death, and I realize that, but ours is much more sanitary when we're talking about capital punishment and less barbaric. We're, we're looking at a hum, humane way to execute people if there's such a thing, but we, we're looking at that, whether it's lethal injection or a quick bullet or a quick hanging or whatever it may be. We're looking for those things, but you, can you imagine if you know you're going to be eaten alive by lions, And so this wasn't good news. This wasn't another promotion from the king. This is frightening news. And so we look at Daniel and when he gives thanks. Or you look at Jonah. Jonah's in the belly. I know I'm picking up all these children's stories. You know, Daniel in the lion's den and Jonah in the fish. And so. But Jonah's in the belly of this fish. It's dark. There's nowhere to go. And he's just expecting to die. What else is there to do? It's just death that's there. So what does he do? Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So no matter the circumstances, there was thanksgiving. And this is an important piece to being content. It's very hard for us to be content if we're not thankful. And the you can see that the conditions didn't shape their thanksgiving, that it was their thanksgiving that shaped who they are despite the circumstances that they found themselves in. And when do we give thanks? Always. Whether it's before we get thrown into a lion's den or that we're in the belly of a fish, it's always. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you're thinking, everything? It says everything. Not just the good stuff, but also the not-so-good stuff. And we've all faced these good things and bad things in life, so we can all relate to this. God has given those in Christ grace. We have been chosen, we've been adopted, forgiven, given an inheritance, all because of Jesus Christ. And this is who we give thanks to. God, who has provided everything for us. Sometimes we lose sight of who God is because we lose sight of eternity. And we need to keep Isaiah 55 verse 9 in mind, especially when we doubt who God is and 
we don't want to give thanks to God always and for everything. And this is Isaiah 55, verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is more than we think. He is creator of the universe. He controls it. Things are not out of God's control. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God provides everything that we need. He is provider. And he does not need anything from anyone. Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering that he provided for Abraham's sacrifice. And God also provided Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. Now this third question that we get to with when and what is who we are to give thanks to. Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks to God always and for everything. And this is really challenging because we don't always feel thankful since our circumstances Tell us to feel something else. How can we give thanks to God always and for everything? And it's a spiritual practice. It's a practice of patience. It's a, a discipline to practice thanksgiving no matter what our circumstances are. And it's a test in how secure we feel about our relationship with God and whether that is God of the our past or our present or in the future. That we're continuously reminded that we're not an accident. That God knew you before you were born. He knows who you are. He knows who you will be. Take a look at this psalm. Psalm 139 starting in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. You're here for a purpose. You're not an accident. You're not here by chance. And if you believe otherwise, I'm not going to be able to convince you of what the Bible teaches. That's your own hardness of heart. And no one's going to change that, only God. But I'm letting you know from the scriptures to tell you you're not an accident, you have a purpose. God knew you before you were born and you were wonderfully, fearfully made. For those of us who trust in God, who believe in God, we know that our troubles don't go away when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. We face hardships, challenges, disappointments, failures, just like anybody else. And it's because we face the negatives of life that having a loving Heavenly Father is so reassuring. And it's necessary. Our security is in God. Our world is the most advanced that it has ever been. Whether you're looking at technology, medicine, science, communications, commerce. Why is it 
that the world is so insecure when we've never had as much as we've had today? Why is that? Why are we more confused today when we've advanced so much throughout human history? People can know who God is by practicing humility and admitting Jesus Christ is Savior, needing to save one's life from the separation that they're experiencing from God, and it's cause to give thanks to God always for everything. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. And when we die, we'll be separated from everything and everyone except God. And God can reunite us with the rest of the family of God. No one else is able to do that. You aren't able to do that. But he will never leave us nor forsake us. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now to our last question from this verse. How are we to give thanks? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this means that we give thanks to God the Father based on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. We give thanks aligned with what God has given us, including the desires that he has given us. And when we give thanks, it is to be aligned with the character of God and with the will of God. Whenever you have questions as to how to give thanks to God, look at Jesus. How did Jesus give thanks to God the Father? Jesus always looked at the will of the Father. Luke 22, verse 42. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And this is Jesus right before he went to the cross. Now go back a little bit more, and what did Jesus do before praying this? And you look back to Luke chapter 22, verse 19, and it reads this. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. You read that? You hear that? Jesus gave thanks for the breaking of bread, knowing that this is the symbol of his broken body. That he gave thanks for the cup symbolizing his blood poured out for us. He knew that he is the lamb spoken about in Genesis that was provided for Abraham that is provided for us. And the sacrificial lamb that redeems, renews, restores, transforms people separated from God to people who are adopted as children of God. And Jesus gave thanks even knowing that he was about to go to the cross because he knew the will of God. People may have a really difficult time thanking God always and for everything because some things just don't seem right to be thankful for. And it's really difficult to do in the present as you're going through these very difficult times because we don't have sight of eternity that God does, that Jesus does. We need to trust God. He's proven himself faithful. 
And while God's ways may seem mysterious, to know that God is good, you may not always feel like giving God thanks. But it's not a matter of feeling, as Todd was sharing earlier as leading worship, that maybe the feeling follows. It's a matter of belief. It's a matter of obedience. That you give thanks because you believe. You believe God is who He says He is. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now what does Paul mean when writing submitting to one another? It's evident that Paul strongly desired unity in the Spirit. And you can just look at our sanctuary this morning. We're all so different in so many ways, but what unifies us needs to be of the Spirit, and, and it's not an easy thing. Right? It's very challenging to get along with people who are so different from you, whether they have different political views or they have different views on whatever it may be. One of the things that we need to do, even though we are so different, is to bear with one another, put up with one another. Right? Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thankfulness running throughout there, right? But, but back to submitting, which is uh, a tough thing to talk about nowadays. And even though it's not popular, I need to let you know that it's mentioned in the Bible about 40 times. And it's probably different than how those in our culture define it or picture it. The biblical picture of submission has several metaphorical pictures, and one of them is, is a military one where you have military personnel that are lined up in an orderly fashion to complete a mission, that they're submitted to an authority to accomplish a purpose, to finish a mission. Now, military doesn't resonate with everyone, and if it doesn't resonate with you, pick a different metaphor, and you can use a metaphor of an orchestra, where there are different people in the orchestra with different instruments, and, and why are they there? They're there for the harmonizing and the music of the greater group to be presented. That the individual within the orchestra is not putting on an individual performance, but is fitting into this greater body of musicians. And that individual's individuality or personality or identity are not lost in the orchestra, but they are incorporated in the orchestra. Or if you're not into that, you can look at sports teams. You can look at essentially any metaphor of self-sacrifice for a greater group, like Jesus. Ephesians 5 verse 2 and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's when we abstain from self-indulgence and live self-sacrificially. 
It's when we say no to those prideful things and we welcome humility in our lives to live others-centered rather than self-centered. And this is setting up what we're going to go over when I return from sabbatical after our Advent series and, and continue with this Ephesians series because Paul will go into the marriage relationship. He'll go into a relationship between children and parents, employers and employees. But before Paul goes into those three types of relationships, he wrote here in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We need to remember this before we start on this road to about who we submit to and who's who and, and to remember that it's the gospel that we all submit to and that humbles all of us. God has done through Jesus what none of us is able to do for ourselves. Romans chapter 3 starting in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, what's there to be prideful about? We're all in the same boat. And we walk into church, there's to be a sense of humility. And hopefully that is the sense you received when you walked into church. And if we give off a sense that, you know, we have it all together, we, we obviously don't, right? We don't. We don't have it all together. But if you walk in and, you know, the place is just sterile or that it just feels so corporate, that's not the sense that we hope you get. What sense do you get when you walk in and I hope that it's a sense of humility when you walk into our church. And it's not just this building and the inanimate things within here, whether it's stained glass or a grand piano or whatever it may be, that gives you that sense. The most important aspect of getting this sense is from the people here. Do you get that sense from the people here, that sense of humility from the people here? Not everyone looks perfect or is dressed perfect or is like presented as like you can go to Hollywood or whatever, but that we're just humble people together here worshiping Christ. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. And I'm not talking about self-deprecation. That's just a false humility, right? Humility is to be completely free to be ourselves while knowing that we're not in the center of the universe. Right? So, so you see this dilemma of humanity because once a child is born, they think they are the center of the universe. And that lasts a long time, Right? Children, pre-adolescents, teenagers, young adults, it lasts a really long time. I don't know when the switch happens. I think it happens when they have children. And they're like, ah, oh, like, I see, I see. But it, it happens. Submission has to be taught. Just like humility has to be taught. 
And what we learn needs to be spirit-filled. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. You don't have to teach a child to be the center of the universe. If you don't believe me, again, all I need you to do is volunteer for children's ministry. That's all you need to do. And the reality and the facts and the truth will set you free. That's all you need to do. Now, when we're looking at giving thanks and submitting to one another, we need to go back to verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit. So that when we address one another, verse 19, when we give thanks, verse 20, when we submit to one another, verse 21, it's all in context of being filled with the Spirit. And this is all in context to being in Christ. Now again, this is for those of us in Christ. This is not for people outside of Christ. This is not addressed to people who don't believe in Jesus Christ. This is for born-again believers who are a new creation. This is not for those who are just interested in learning about religion or, or they just want more Christian morals or ethics to be taught to them and their children. No, this is written for those described in Ephesians 1 verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. This letter is for those people. Paul is writing to people who have become dwelling places for God, where the Holy Spirit resides in them and empowers God's people to do God's will, to do God's purposes. We are capable of grieving the Holy Spirit, chapter 4, verse 30. And some of the things that grieve the Holy Spirit are not addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, not giving thanks always and for everything in the name of Jesus, not submitting to one another. Those things grieve the Holy Spirit. When we believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, we are instantly justified by faith. Instantly. We are adopted into God's family as daughters and sons, and we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And as we continue this path of sanctification with Christ, the evidence of who we are becoming, like Christ, becomes more evident in us. Now, some things about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is ongoing. It's not just like it happened once and you're done. We are to be continually filled with the Spirit. It's, it's not a suggestion either. It's a command. It's a command to be obeyed. It's not something that we can even do directly ourselves, but it is something to be received. It's, it's a gift. And it's to be developed as we grow in our relationship with Christ. So to live in disobedience, one cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't mean that you are disowned by God. Because if you just think about your relationship with your parents or your relationship with your children when they are disobedient or when you were disobedient, it doesn't mean that you were disowned as a child. It just means that there is a, a wedge that is there between parent and child. Now what is the evidence of God's Spirit in one's life? Take a look at Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
And this is what we need to pray for in ourselves as individuals and what we need as a church. Sometimes our relationships with God can become stale just as any other important relationship in your life can become stale with your spouse or parents, children, friends, church. And maybe you need to rekindle your relationship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we get to a place of submitting to one another? It's by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And why do we submit to one another? It's in verse 21. Out of reverence for Christ. Now, of course, there are other reasons to submit to one another because the world has things that people are submitting to their managers, to their employers, to their owners. Like There, there are different things in the military or, or whatever team sports. There are these distinguishing characteristics for those in Christ, though, that these are just for those in Christ. And for those outside of Christ, they know what submission is, but it's different because our submission is empowered by the Holy Spirit and it's out of reverence for Jesus Christ. This is our how. This is our why. It's not because of anything else. There's no selfishness attached to it. There's no pride attached to it. It's not, I am submitting now so that I can build my way up so that I can then be a leader in the future. I just need to go. It's nothing like that. We do this simply out of obedience. That Jesus said in Matthew 20, starting in verse 25, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus modeled this submission for us. How he served God, how he served people. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus suffered brokenness for us so that we can be mended back to wholeness with God. We submit to one another by the filling of the Holy Spirit out of reverence for Christ. May we give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you have your communion elements, let's take those out. And if you don't have that, just raise your hand and Stephanie can get that to you. Before we partake together, let me pray. Lord Jesus, you gave thanks for this sacrament we're about to take right before you were going to go to the cross. You gave thanks in the midst of betrayal, false accusation, torture, beating, death. Lord, we are so thankful for how you've modeled thankfulness and submission to us. 
and this bread symbolizing your broken body, Lord. You tell us to take this until your return. And so we do this in your name. The fruit of the vine also instructed for us to take until his return. And we take this in remembrance of Jesus Christ, knowing that his promise is there for us in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we're forever thankful for your sacrifice. We ask for your empowerment, your indwelling of the Spirit to help us do what our flesh does not want us to do, that we would exercise that humility, that submission, that thankfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.